0: Hey everyone, this is Patrick with the 307RPG Podcast, and I just want to take a moment and say thank you to all of our amazing patrons. It's because of you that we're able to do the things that we do. If you like our show and you want to support us, you can find us on patreon.com slash theforgerald. Thanks everyone, I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everyone, this is Patrick with 307RPG, and welcome to From My RPG Library, the show where I grab a book off the bookshelf and give you my thoughts on it. Today, we're going to be reviewing the new campaign book for Vampire the Masquerade 5th Edition, The Fall of London, by Modiphius. Alright, so let's get to the technical stuff first. This book is 266 pages and is written by Clara Herbel, Kira Magrin, Mike Nudd, Andrew Peregrine, Hilary Sklar, and Steffi Devon. Art was done by Michelle Frigo, Rodrigo gonzalez Toledo, Damian Momalidi, Othan Nicolaitis, Edward Noiset, Paolo Pugioni, and Amy Wilkins. I apologize if I've mispronounced anybody's name. The book is currently available for purchase in PDF format on DriveThruRPG and in hardback from Modifius.com. So let's dive into the book. So the book is broken up into, obviously, chapters, but it starts with a, a pretty hefty introduction, and it's about the first 15 pages of the book that are really a history legend um, on Mithras in London as a whole. If you're a longtime player of Vampire: The Masquerade, then this may be a bit of a frustrating refresher for you, and I'll get to that in just a second. Mithras has long been an iconic character in Vampire, so it makes sense that we're seeing him here, especially if you've read know that Mithras was diablerized by an Asimite, a Bana Hakim, by the name of uh, Monty Coven, and and this does give you some of that uh, information, but it does. It does kind of change the lore, so you need to keep that in mind. So the introduction goes through, all through the rise and subsequent fall of Mithras and his reign over London. It tells you how Queen Anne Bowsley has come into power in London. But keep in mind, all the history that you know may not accurately be displayed here. And the reason I say that is because this is V5. And I've long said that White Wolf and Paradox does a really good job of maintaining the lore there's some lore changes here which was kind of shocking to me but I'm also okay with it you just got to accept that this is a new product this is v5 and they're not saying get rid of everything that you've already learned they're just saying there's been some slight changes so there's nothing like you know Becca's Jaw Diary did a really good job of kind of tying all the additions together we don't have that for v5 at least not yet I don't know if there's anything in the works so just keep that in mind so this this introduction will give you a lot of Information about Mithras and about the Cappadocian Roger de Camden, who was not only Mithras' lover, but also a high-ranking official, a Pater, in the cult of Mithras. It is important that de Camden be mentioned here because it's because of de Camden, or rather Pater Thomas, as he's later known, that the characters are being brought into this whole story. See, de Camden has been around for a long time. Long enough that he was alive when the whole conspiracy of Isaac took place, and the Giovanni began actively hunting the Cappadocians. In order to escape the slaughter, de Camden developed a ritual called the Ritual of Transferring the Soul to remove his own soul from his body and place it into another body, Peter Thomas. um, Which... Obviously, de Camden did and became Peter Thomas. Now, if you've played through the Giovanni Chronicles, de Camden should sound familiar because he does make an appearance in the basement of Valerius's or Mithras's, sorry home. So it's something to keep in mind. But why is this whole thing important, this whole ritual of transferring the soul? Well, it's kind of the crux of the story, being that we're attempting to bring Mithras back to full power see while mithras was indeed severely wounded in the attack by his former seneschal Valerius, he was not killed instead he hauled ass out of london and sank into the ground in the woods and drifted off into torp after years of searching for his lover pater thomas finally found him and made a deal with a sabbat pack to retrieve his body only mithras uh, whether intended or not or is just a where he needed to be, went into torpor in a area of the woods or in the woods that are completely infested with the lupine and they and despite their best effort to go undetected, the Sabat pack was found and attacked. The lone survivor, a Bon Hakim by the name of Montgomery Coven, was able to grab Mithras's body and book, but Coven was wounded by the Lupines and in the possession of a Methuselah. And needed to heal, and he needed the blood to do that. So he did what I guess anybody would do at this point, and commit Diablery on Mithras. Despite his best effort to maintain control of his his own body, his consciousness, or whatever, Mithras took over, kind of shoved Monty to the side and said, Fuck off, this is me now, I don't care what you're thinking. So you have Mithras in Coven's body... Who is, you know, Covenant is fighting, is, you know, doing his best to maintain control of himself, but it's clearly Mithras, but he's not at full power. Bring in DeCamden or Peter, Peter Thomas. Recognizing what's going on, Peter Thomas's belief is that if they can do the ritual, the ritual of transferring the soul, he would be able to bring Mithras back to full power. I know, a long way for a short trip. I could have just told you that quickly, but whatever. As for the rest of the introduction, you learn about some of the Mithraic artifacts that are needed to perform the ritual. You learn that the players place as heralds of the sun within the story, within the cult of Mithras, and then you get an overview of London in 2012, because that's when this story takes place, which includes a quick synopsis of its current leadership, Queen Anne Bowsley, who is the daughter of Valerius, the former seneschal of Mithras, or assassin of Mithras if you want, and how she rules the city. So, some things that I took issues with this situation was Anne Bowsley knows Mithras, and they, they do mention that uh, Anne Bowsley is a known Diablerist. In fact, if I remember correctly, she has a ring that was given to her by Mithras to protect other people from seeing her aura and seeing the Diablery stains. I don't know that that carried over in V5. Uh, and, and Valerius is, if you know, again, knowing the lore, you know, that there's a lot of connection with Valerius to Mithras and he's Anne's sire. So it's kind of interesting how that whole thing plays out. So you also learn about some of the other clans in London, where they tend to hang out, how they are in London, circa 2012, you get an overview of some of the places that players may visit throughout the city, which helps especially for those of us who have who don't have first-hand knowledge of London and its nightlife or whatever else goes on in that city. The last part of the introduction goes into Operation Antigen, uh, which is kind of an antagonist for this story. Think of it as like another Inquisition, if you will. This is uh, It is an important part of the story because it will hinder the players as they pursue the mithraic artifacts you get a detailed description of some of the major operation antigen characters some of their issues their racism because there is some of that towards muslims which i'm not sure that it was necessary I didn't write the book, so you have there. You have it. You find out how they perceive vampires, some of their, lingo, or some of their language, some of their code words. Uh, you also get a quick overview of some lower-level Operation Antigen operatives. I don't really necessarily have names, just saying. Okay, here's a you know your standard shock trooper or communications person, and then even a breakdown of their equipment. Which I have to point out. I have to point out that at first when I read through their equipment, I just kind of went, oh okay, that's interesting. And I've thought about some of the equipment and how it's used, like UV ray guns or and, and the such. And until I listened to another podcast that did a review of this very book, uh, 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, it didn't dawn on me that these are the same stuff that were used in the old vampire movies, Blade. You know, the anticoagulants, the UV rays and things like that. So, I mean, I wasn't at all enthused by the equipment but at the same time i did i did not draw the connection so kudos to you guys for pointing that out lastly we get threat levels now this was probably the part that i got most excited about in the introduction because i thought this was really interesting the threat levels are where you're at within operation antigens pursuit of vampires so you start out i think it's zero or one um, and the influence that the threat levels are going to have directly correlates to the actions that your players take they range from one to five with severity equaling the the higher number so you know first everything's okay yes oa's there but they're not necessarily like uh, you know on their asses the entire time but if you get up to level five shit's about to hit the fan and your players have clearly done stuff to perpetuate this issue uh, I like the idea of players' actions having consequences. When I think back to years ago when I used to play this game, you know, it was nothing for somebody to say, well, we need guns. Okay, let's go break into the local gun store or pawn shop and steal some stuff. There would have been actions for that. And uh, in my own younger age naivety, I never included that. And, and that was wrong of me. And so I like the idea that we can see those actions here, that when the players do something, there is going to be a consequence. So my thoughts on on the introduction are, as someone who stepped away from Vampire for several years, it was a good refresher course on Mithras and his history. A lot of the names I recognize from other Vampire the Masquerade products, um, Giovanni Chronicles, uh, Vampire the Eternal Struggle even, and of course the story of Monty Coven's Diabri is detailed in Beckett's Jihad Diary, though it is different than this one. What I especially liked was the section on Operation Antigen, because it gave us some substance to the SPCs. They're not just, okay, here's a, an SPC. I mean, we do have some of those issues, like, like I said, you have a racism issue towards Muslims. It gives you some depth and some realism to those characters. I like the idea of the player's actions having direct effect on London as represented by the threat level. And I truly think that players' actions have consequences in the worlds that they play in. All right, so we're going to look at the next chapters, but we're going to be kind of brief. This is the story. This is the meat of the book, and I don't want to give anything away here, especially since it's, you know, it's a fairly new game and, and I want people to be able to play it and enjoy it and my players may listen to this too and I don't want them to hear anything about what's going on as well. But chapter 1 is this is where the story begins this is the players are being roused out of torpor and being kept in the dark as to why they are being roused out of torpor until they go and meet a Malkavian who kind of says alright this is what's going on. They're also introduced to Operation Antigen, have to flee for their very life and you are you are able to bring in some of the new changes to v5 with like the stains on humanity there's a chance for them to feed which could create stains so there's some neat things that happen in chapter one i i will say chapter one feels fairly scripted but it's almost expected because you almost need it to be scripted the players are coming out of torpor are completely confused hell they don't even know what date it is it definitely reminds me of the last supper giovanni chronicles part one in that case, the characters were very much, you know, slaves to the story. They had to do exactly as things are going. And that's not necessarily the case here, but it does feel very scripted. So keep that in mind. So the remaining chapters, again, I don't want to go into a lot of detail because this is the story. The players are off on a quest to find artifacts of Mithraic importance. Uh, the task leads them throughout the city of London and has them interacting with several members of the kindred population. And, and really, what a trip it is. They go from the underground of London where they meet a Nosferatu who almost seems to flaunt the masquerade. His invitation to come party with him under, you know... In, Lo- in London's underbelly they engage with the Tremere who seems to want to keep his mortal family close and hang on to his humanity they of course meet the prince well, back that up the Queen of London herself, Anne Bowsley. There's even an interaction with the child of Victoria Ash, Regina Blake. So there was there's some really neat interactions, and some really neat stuff that happens within the chapters that I I I really enjoyed, and I overall I thought that was pretty well done. The end of the book we're not gonna discuss here, after all, I want—I don't want to be—I don't want to spoil it. If you decide to pick it up and play it for yourself, I will say, however, there are options for the story to end in a multiple ways. And while this is a sandbox, there's still, still some free will choices available. Your players could say "fuck it" and walk away from the whole thing. And of course, there's consequences for that. So uh, that's the story. That's you know, a, kind of a, a quick, very, very brief overview of the story and and what this book is about. So I want to give you my thoughts on this book, and you have to understand, and and I and I hope you you realize I love Vampire the Masquerade. It has long been my favorite role playing game since the early '90s, and I have seen it go up and down. I've seen terrible books come out that I purchased, and and I've seen you know really really good books come out. And while I haven't been a huge Uh, I don't want to say fan because that's not the correct word. I haven't really embraced, uh, there you go, V5. I, I am definitely developing a love for it. When this book was first announced... I was really excited for it. Now, I I think I originally thought this book was going to be, and and I don't remember why I thought this, was that the Inquisition was attacking you, that you had been roused out of torpor because of the Inquisition, and you basically had to fight for your life. For some reason, that stuck into my head as to what this book was going to be about. I was not expecting a, we're going to bring Mithras back story. I was excited about the book, Um, and the idea of a new book coming out for 5th edition really piqued my interest. When the book became available for pre-order for Modiphius, I jumped on it. I was eager to see it. You were able to, if you pre-ordered the book, you got the PDF right away, which I thought was awesome. And then you got the book later in March. So I think I purchased this back in January. When I got the PDF, I was a little put off. There's some changes to the lore that, while not straight ignoring the past, there's some liberties taken. But I pretty much shrugged that off and accepted that this is a new edition of the game. However, the more I read the book the more frustrated I became. Why? It's because of all the errors I was finding. Now, I've bit my tongue a lot on our other show, The 307 RPG Podcast, where this book has come up. I, I didn't want to go into a whole lot of detail or, or even mention a lot of what I read from this book, because I knew I was going to be doing this, and I, and I wanted to save it. And also... There was another reason, and we're going to get into that in a second. I was so frustrated by all the typos that, and grammatical mistakes and misspellings and etc. that I was finding in this book that I it was difficult to read. And I'm, I understand that sometimes mistakes happen. I, I get that. But these are pretty egregious. In fact, the book is just riddled with them. So much so that I grabbed a notepad and began recording the mistakes. At first, I wasn't sure what I was going to do with this list that I compiled. But I felt like something needed to be done. So I wrote Modiphius and sent them my list, which sounds incredibly pedantic, and I understand that. So let me give you a little background here. I'm not the kind of person that typically complains about games. I've played World of Warcraft for years. I never complained about changes or nerfs or other issues, air quotes here, that people had. I just accepted it and move on. I also don't typically complain about mistakes in television shows like coffee cups or water bottles being seen on Game of Thrones. I typically accept the piece as being what it is and go about my day. But this was different. Part of the issue is I do have a newspaper background. I spent 15 years in the newspaper industry as an editor and a publisher. I made mistakes. I made lots of mistakes. And I was called out for those mistakes. When I wrote to Modiphius and I explained to them, or at least attempted to, that I was coming to them from a place of love of this game, and I did not want to see this book so riddled with mistakes hit the shelf. And since the PDF I was reading was labeled, WIP, which I assume stood for Work in Progress, I was hoping that they could make changes before the release. I got a response back from Modiphius that basically said, and I had to write to their customer service, that said, we'll forward this on to the writers. And that's pretty much all it said. I was hopeful. The book came out. I received my copy. I don't know what to say, because nothing happened. So here's my thoughts on the book. Overall, I really enjoyed the story. I did. I think Mithras is such an iconic character that it's okay to bring him fully back in V5. I completely dug the threat level system. Again, I like it when players' actions have consequences. Third... I'm not a huge fan of the pre-generated characters, and I don't think most people who play Vampire the Masquerade are, and it took some convincing to get my players to agree to use them. However, I think they're actually okay with it, and I think the more they read their character and read some of the stuff, they enjoy it. I also like that there was an option for the characters to simply walk away. It's not completely scripted as the Giovanni Chronicles were. Some of the things I didn't like is, there's reference to Cults of the Blood Gods in this book, which we're not going to see that book for at least a year. Uh, you do get to play as a... There's one of the pre-generated characters is a Hakata, which I, I was really fascinated by. But and, and they do tell you this is their oblivion power. No option to continue to play that character if you decide to go use those characters beyond uh, the Fall of London because, well, there's no know a way to increase oblivion unless you've backed cults of the blood gods and you have that manuscript so that was a little frustrating and then finally the amount of technical mistakes in this book make it so I truly considered cancelling my pre-order of the book it was the completionist in me that held me back from cancelling it as such I don't think I could recommend this book to other people which is sad or perhaps i would just say buy the pdf don't spend the money on the hardback version save yourself some money and that kind of sucks everybody should rush out and buy it and i i am hopeful that we're going to see better and better releases from modifiessa that are are better edited and put together in a more cohesive and well i hate using it again because i've said it so much better way thanks for listening guys i, I So that's it those are my thoughts on the fall of london and it sucks that i couldn't be more positive i really wanted to be and and i'm actually a little disappointed that i've seen so many reviewers come out and, and not call this out kudos for 25 years of vampire the masquerade for for saying something because i think it does need to be said i love vampire and i'm going to continue to play vampire and i'll continue to buy the books for vampire i just hope that this isn't going to be a trend thanks for listening guys I hope you've enjoyed the show, and if you have thoughts about this book, if you think I'm wrong, please take a minute to tell me. You can reach me at on Twitter at 307RPG, or you can find us at 307RPG.com. I'm always willing to hear a different side of the story, so if you'd like to tell me I'm wrong, go for it. Just try to be respectful. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next time.